From the Transport Workers Union Air Division offices in Colleyville, Texas, it's the TWU Air Division podcast with Strategic Action Coordinator Brian Parker. Join Brian as he discusses issues that affect the careers and lives of Air Division members. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. Joining me is Air Division Systems Coordinator and TWU International Vice President, Gary Peterson. Thanks for joining me, Gary. Glad to be here again, Brian. All right. Good to have you. Um, It's been a while, quite a while, pre-COVID, since we've done a podcast together. So I wanted to get you back in here and just kind of get an update on the Air Division. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the industry. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the country and, you know, just a general conversation. I don't really have a uh, defined agenda, but let's start off and talk about what's going on in the Air Division. Yeah, well, the Air Division uh, pre-COVID and current COVID situation is, uh, has been a lot of work. Pretty much every airline has had some sort of activity going on. I shouldn't say pretty much every airline has had activity going on one way or another with the locals and you know all of us at the air division have been involved in that you know my role is to constantly keep up with making sure that everybody has the the locals have support that they need as well as the international uh, the IAC keeping them in the loop and obviously making sure that everybody's tracking in the same direction you know with over 10 plus airlines our NASA folks obviously are involved and then our government and support contracts that we have out there it has just been uh, 24-7 coverage of, of something happening with either an airline, a company, you know, space program, obviously getting back and, and doing some stuff that, that hadn't been going for a while has been very active, but not everything there has been positive either. So, you know, we've had carriers <laughs> talk about tough times. I mean, a lot of movement, I guess, would be the answer with either talk about reductions in, in what's coming forward, possibly, uh, as well as, you know, just on an industry-wide basis, we have had members laid off at some of these companies. And fortunately, it looks like some may not be in business here in the not-too-distant future. Are you talking about some of the smaller ones, or you think there's a chance some of the bigger ones might not be able to survive? Well, survivability is twofold. Just, you know, steady state. Obviously, the industry is affected by coronavirus like every other industry. In fact, in some ways, you know, in in fairness, we've been insulated by the First CARES Act, and we haven't had any real reduction, which for our membership has been good. Now, I say we haven't had any real reduction. We've had airlines, or at least one, that has had a significant reduction, about 30% of the, the, the membership was laid off in advance of them getting the CARES Act money. We've challenge that and there's some issues going on. Obviously, we don't believe it's right and and we don't agree that they should have 30% less people working and you know, I've taken advantage of the CARES Act money. And, and that that's something that we're fighting over in Washington, D.C. And, and, you know, so we're talking about not having done any podcasts. Legitimately, we have been pounding the pavement in D.C., not myself personally, but we have reps up there that are, you know, working for the international every day on the Hill fighting for our members' rights with Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, senators, congressmen, every, every, establishment, every establishment we can get into about how important these jobs are. And, and, you know, our industry, be it airline and and support for the airline industries, it isn't like uh, a a lot of companies that when you slow down, you can lay people off and then you you come back and flip a switch. They get on a computer, they go back to work. There's a lot of stuff that has to take place. And and Mm. just using the ID system, right, to get a new badge for the airport, you're talking 
30 to 90 days for somebody to get back on property once they go off. So there's been a lot of those conversations taking place in DC, uh, making sure they understand the the impact of you know what's going on and how difficult it is to spool back up once things wind down. And and so you know on my end, I mean I'm not into the politics as much as a lot of other folks are, meaning political side of it. But I've been making a lot of phone calls, talking to a lot of folks on the Hill about what's going on in the industry as well as you know reporters and everything else. It's just it is a such a fluid situation that we're dealing with right now and it's something that none of us could have ever predicted so we've been trying to work our way through that and i think we've done a pretty good job unfortunately we'll talk about it in a little bit you know at least one carrier that we we represent um, is a smaller carrier nonetheless doesn't matter how big or how small doesn't look like they're going to survive you know post uh october 1st and that is just a byproduct of too many airplanes and not enough uh passengers flying right now yeah it's going to be a it's going to be a sad day if that happens, you know, for the industry as a whole, you know, to see uh, companies that can't make it. So I want to talk a little bit about the CARES Act. I know that when COVID first hit and the real impact hit the industry, I know uh, the airlines collectively all went to Washington. They had their hand out uh, and they lobbied very hard for the CARES Act. Uh, fortunately, that came through. We were able to get the CARES Act along with payroll support to keep people on the clock the money is running out obviously you know at the end of september the money will be gone unless we get a second round and this time it was a different look Uh, you saw the afl-cio and the unions going to washington taking the lead on this and the corporations kind of laying low trying to get another 25 billion explain that and how all that process went yeah well um I'm not, uh, I always haven't been a big advocate for the AFL-CIO. I think there's been, again, transition that's been going on there as well with leadership that, that sits over on the AFL-CIO body. And, and in saying that, they definitely led the charge or have been leading the charge on this second tranche that we need for all of our members that you know we represent. So the AFL-CIO and internally, Zach Tatz, who works for us, you know has led the charge. Um, obviously, the IAC has been heavily involved. John Samuelson's been instrumental in, in fighting with you know everybody when i say fighting in a good way fighting with everybody about how important this legislation is and and this clean extension and so really what it came down to is the you're right the airlines went out and and you know we can debate this but it doesn't matter at this point for the last you know 10 years we've probably seen the airline industry the most profitable it's ever been in the history of aviation and yet when when the first downward cycle hit and it, again this would be COVID in the cycle versus just an economic type of thing. Um, they weren't prepared for it, and, and that's unfortunate because this isn't this isn't it's a cyclical industry to begin with. This isn't new. We've watched this. We've all. I mean, I've been laid off as a result of the downward spiral or cycle. Many of the folks you know have that we work with. So this isn't new to the industry yet. Somehow leadership and the companies thought. And it's not just American or Southwest or anyone in particular. All of them were on this buying spree and doing what, you know, buying back stock and doing those things and spending all the money instead of saving like we would do for a rainy day. You know, we always have to look at the next six months, like they say, have enough money in your bank account for the next six months and save and make sure you have that reserve in case you don't have a job. Well, that industry didn't look at it that way. And now they they had to go to Washington because there was no other option, similar to the financial crisis when banks went there and the auto industry went there. In fact, the auto industry got much better funding than we did, obviously, as an industry. But the government learned from that and, and the airlines obviously had optics to that. So they went with their handout, so to speak. 
and it needed to happen. Otherwise, you're talking, you know, upwards of five to 10 million people more out of work. In an industry, that's essential to keep things moving in the country, right? That's how we fall into the RLA. And so the money was funded, it went through, and interestingly enough, while people had their hand out, and I'll go down this road just so you understand, here we will talk about Republic. Republic has their filing in and they're waiting for the money to come, and they go and lay off 30 plus members of our local there. It's only a 90 to 100 person local. They lay off 30% of the local because they didn't get the charismatic money in their account yet, because that's the way the law, quote unquote, for them was written. Now we're fighting that, but in the meantime, now they get funded and those people are still laid off. Small, you know, smaller group, but nonetheless, as important as any large carrier. And even though people are speaking against it, like we talked about the part-time with United, you know, you and I personally talked about that and United pushed back, or the, the unions pushed back at United and United relented, Delta, still is out there cutting people from 40 hours to 32 or whatever they need to do because they're not under contract. So we've had the benefit of our contracts in place, but I've seen airlines do things to their employees, even though we represent them and it's the grievance process and everything else we go through. That is just disgusting. They got funded and yet they still left those people on the street and those are our members and we're doing everything that we can for them. And, you know, obviously we're fighting that issue and I don't like calling them out, but that's just the wrong thing to do from a human standpoint. You get money in your account and then you just shuffle people out the door. So now well, let's talk about, you know, where we're at today. And again, you know, we, that's not the only airline we've had internal fights with over how they're handling CARES Act money, believe me. Right. Um, that's just one clear example of one that we're in a legal battle with. But let's talk now, you know, come October 1st. Look, we're all looking for an extent, clean extension of the CARES Act. But we need every member that we have, doesn't matter where you're at. In fact, if you're not a member, to talk to your senator, your congressman, doesn't matter, Democrat, Republic. They need to get off their rear ends and get some legislation done. This deadlock, gridlock in in Washington, D.C. is legitimately putting people, I would argue, killing people. I mean, people can't afford to go get food. You know, I'm fortunate to have have income. You're fortunate to have income because we're part of this process today. But who knows where we wind up with down the road if, if our seniority holds or not. But I do drive by just right down the street from me and I donate to a food bank right now because there are that many people going in that I never saw that before. And it is day-to-day constant that those shelves are empty. And there's no reason for that in America that we should be facing that. We haven't felt that yet as an industry. And if October 1st hits, we're gonna see the first uh, impact of that. And even if there's a clean extension all the way into March, do I expect in March the industry to come back? No, but we're doing everything we can with each of the airlines we represent to make sure our members get as much as they can, you know, for as long as they can. Do I think come March that industry-wide we won't see reductions? No, but hopefully they'll be lessened. Hopefully the people that can't afford to leave through early outs and through voluntary leaves, they make those decisions for, so to speak, younger folks that can't do that. There's a lot of people right now, and I I commend them, and I commend them from the heart that they're making sacrifices in their homes so other people can continue to work to put food on the table. I'll go back to myself. I was laid off in the early 90s. It It was some of the worst days of my life, not knowing where the next paycheck was coming from. Luckily, I found another job within a few weeks but in this current environment, I don't I don't know what that looks like. We're gonna do everything we can for anybody that gets laid off. And we put a letter out, you know, just last week on ExpressJet, and I'll talk about that for a second. ExpressJet doesn't look like it's gonna survive. 
United made the decision between Commute Air and Express Jet. They were going to select one because they were both flying similar airplanes. And they decided, you know, because they're subcontracted through these two companies and Express Jet, you know, we just got a contract with them not too long ago. And here in turn, now we're talking about another 90 people that are going to lose their job. But these jobs, they're not coming back. That company is probably going to close. There isn't any indication that's not going to happen. It's just a question of when. So we're looking to find, you know, any jobs for those folks. But now we got, you know, Republic, who's laid off 30 of their people. And we haven't seen any of the others, you know, do layoffs yet. Our, fortunately for us, our cargo sides are doing good. So UPS and Coletta, hopefully we can help find some jobs there if they're hiring and get some of these people that we represent back to work. But it's 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 a horrible situation. And, you know, the, the shining light at the end of the tunnel is how do we get passengers back in the airplanes? And that's something beyond all of our control. So, you know, we bargained on the American contract for some really strong language. I expect that we'll be arguing that in some forum uh, down the road through an arbitration because I fully expect American to try to take advantage of what they believe the language says. We'll argue what we believe it says, but not everybody else has that language, you know. And, and so it's, it's just really a, a situation where, again, if we can get everybody, their relatives, anybody that can pick up a phone or send an email to their senator or congressman and just say, look, you know, we need this monetary support for the, not. it's not the industry. And I think that's the point that's critical here. It's the employees that are in the industry now. This this clean, you know, passage is, is, is really about money for the employees. Right. It's not about the airlines. And so they can't, again, we get back to they can't lay people off. And so that's that lifeline of support continuing on for a while for people. Basically what it is, it's a Band-Aid to a situation because... To your point, things aren't going to be all in well in March. We know that. It's going to take, you know, a few years and maybe several before the industry, you know, and before the country is the better way to put it, heals. But it's a Band-Aid that's much needed right now. Our members need this money. The employees of these corporations need this money just basically to survive, to your point, back to the food pantries and stuff like that. You know, you talked about the contractual provisions. The company has already taken advantage and if I look back, you know, in my 30 years in the industry, you know, I've, I've seen a lot. You know, we saw 9-11, we've seen bankruptcy. And to me, this is just another clear cut example of where corporations get themselves into trouble and then they try to recover off the backs of the workers. And that's exactly what's happening right here. Yeah, and and uh, you know I'll speak to that. Look, it, it, we have we have taken a, a solid position on this, and and I want to make sure that our members understand that from a leadership perspective, we are not looking to bargain into concessionary packaging. There's just not an interest in doing that. We fight too hard to get these contracts. The the unfortunate part of that is that the junior person on property, so to speak, faces a furlough. And I think what's important for the junior members to understand is when you work under a contract that. Yeah, you're being laid off for a window of time. I've been there personally, so I understand this from my own personal experience. You're being laid off, but you come back to the contract that's fully enforced. And and I'm going to go back to us at American. I, I will never take a, a different position than this to anybody. I think that the union made mistakes along the way and when they did concessionary bargaining and they took things out of the contract from the membership because they're they're years of building those little things, stepping stones that had to be built and they were taken away. How do you put a value on, and and this is me personally, and I, I speak to this quite often to people when they ask me the question, how do you put a value on vacation? 
week of vacation with your family. Maybe it's not a vacation. Maybe it's being there in a situation when your parents about to pass away and that week's no longer available because it's gone. They put a value on it, a dollar value of 40 hours at X. That's a life-changing event in some cases that people don't get to experience either with their kids, their parents, or they, you know, themselves. They need that time because something happened and, and they need to heal themselves. So when you just look at a contract and say, well, X has this much value, and X, that's how corporations look at it. Right. I don't ever look at a contract that way. I look at a contract to say a week of vacation has a value that you can't put a dollar sign on. It gives you a week of pay. But what you utilize that for is something completely different. Your sick time, right? The concession and sick time is another example. When you're sick is, is when you need income coming in, legitimately sick. Now you're coming to work. We're talking about COVID. Now you're coming to work. You're sick because you don't have sick time. Oh, this is a little different, but I mean, it's just the examples of those things. So take COVID out of the example and you come to work because you got the regular flu because you don't have sick time. Now you're getting your other coworkers sick. And it's just a cycle of those things that we have fought for over the years were built not because we want to just have time off. They have massive value that's not a dollar value, but corporations don't see it that way. It's X's and O's. And that's unfortunate on our side. Now, I, I would argue that there is this argument over, well, but then you have to concede money, you know, dollar value. Well, there's, there's a process for that. And that is corporate restructuring and that's bankruptcy. And, and doing it voluntarily, that's two bites of the apple the company gets. And, and this is something that I think people lose sight of. And when I say people, I'm talking management folks and, and some of our own membership lose sight of is the company gets two bites of the apple. They take from everybody and they also get everybody to continue working. In a furlough, they have to lay people off. The people that are working continue to work under the full contract, everything that's embedded in the contract. And that furloughed person isn't there for them to utilize like a concessionary package. So that body's not physically there. So now they don't get the benefit of both sides of the concession and the body. They have to make that choice to say, if I furlough somebody, how do I manage my business with one less body and still paying the full freight for the people that are there? You know, so so again, I, I we I shouldn't say I we have a different perspective in this leadership team, and so I hear conversations out there. We're gonna, you know, the union's gonna do this, the union's gonna do that. What the union's gonna do is hold firm on their contracts, and if a carrier goes to bankruptcy, then they go to bankruptcy, and we'll deal with it in bankruptcy, and everybody will be a part of that bankruptcy. It won't just be our membership making sacrifice that somehow in the end we're gonna get back, or they say we're gonna get back, and that's what happened at Republic. They came to us with their hand out and we said no, and they punished us for that while others gave. Well, guess what's happening in October? They're punishing the others, plus they got the concessions. Our membership's already been punished and we still have our full contract in effect. So again, we ratify agreements with rules in place for furloughs. I don't like the conversation around that, but that's why the membership as a body ratifies the agreement. And that's a consequence of the company making business decisions. And it hurts to see people laid off, but on the backside of it, those that are continuing to work, the smart thing for them to do is to recognize people are laid off, work their 40 hours, don't take advantage of the situation when we have other members laid off. I've also seen that, and that's a shame. That should never happen. We have members laid off, not that we can, you know, so to speak, make demands as a union, but our members have to make a conscious decision to say a young worker that's part of our union isn't able to work and feed his family or her family, and I'm working overtime, should I be doing this? That's where we have to think differently when it comes to a furlough and say, you know, I'm gonna do my my required 40, my 2080 for the betterment of that person that's laid off so they have to bring that person back. 
That's not a job action. That's just being human to the junior people that get laid off in this. And that's really what I want to emphasize that if we run into this scenario that everybody hears is think about the person that's not here working that has to feed their family. And you can stuff a little bit more money in your pocket, but don't don't think like management. It's not about stuffing more more profit into your pocket and taking advantage of the situation. It's saying when when they come back, then we'll, you know, we'll work overtime again. And again, we'll have people that are working overtime. But everybody has to look at it through that. Is that the right thing to do with somebody laid off? And I, I argue absolutely not. Well, you made the point earlier about people are making sacrifices and, and within their, themselves to step away from the company so people can retain employment. Yep. And that is a big sacrifice. And there's some people, uh, admirably, that are doing that that probably really shouldn't be doing it. Right. But the, but they understand and they want to they want to leave it better than they got it. Yep. Exactly. You know, exactly. and it's not about me, it's about we. Yep. And how can we get through this the best way? And so to your point, you know, I've got 32 years, I'm probably not going to get furloughed right now. As a matter of fact, I can tell you at least right now I won't. I can't tell you what the future holds. But I have to understand that there's there's going to be people that are going to have to step step away from the company, and it's going to be very painful for them. And we need to, to your point, we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, you know that. And again, it's I was the guy that was laid off, and and I felt that side of the the business. And I know uh, you know post nine eleven um, with the group when I was representing the alliance folks, we really took a strong position on not working overtime for those people that were furloughed. I mean that's that's. That's the human thing to do if this does come to fruition. And I believe it's going to happen at, you know, at some airlines, no matter what. I mean, again, our, our cargo airlines, I don't think are going to be affected only because they have, you know, their, their traffic's up, which is a good thing. And they're still growing and things of that nature. But this is a situation where it's really about being a union's a family. And this is about recognizing who your family is. The company will do what it needs to do for shareholders They've proven that, and and for their their family, meaning the management side of the house, and you guys are experiencing some of that. Yes. We're going through that, so don't 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 make any bones about this. Is time to protect our house, protect our family, and protect the people we work with. They're going to hurt them, and we got to hurt back. And when I say hurt back, what I'm saying is we got to look at it and objectively say, should I be doing this? Is it right for somebody that isn't here today? And we'll have people that it's about me, not we. And you know, look, I, I don't like it. But I get it, and we can't stop that from happening. But you got to look in the mirror and understand that the, the long and short of it is, is that right now do I have to do this? And and what's the right thing to do? It's your conscience. And if your conscience is clear acting like that, then, then that's your conscience. Mine isn't, and I've always stood on that principle, and I'll continue to stand on that principle, and I'm not afraid to talk to that. All right. Well, I'll tell you, just so everyone knows, I work at DFW for American and we saw preliminary numbers yesterday, and it's staggering the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just at DFW alone, we're looking at you know, seven to eight hundred less full time positions on a on a shift bid. Part time's going to double. You know, there's going to be heavy impact here at DFW, and we represent Austin and San Antonio as well. It's going to be an impact, and you know, so to prove your point, I mean, it we're facing reality in October. Which, you know, to lead back to the CARES Act, that would be a band-aid. It would get us, and hopefully till the till the industry did recover some, uh, you know, to where people started flying again. But where, where a real problem is going to be is not will people start flying, but it's going to, who, who is going to fly? I believe leisure travel is going to come back, 
but I think the industry has changed as far as business travelers. So the airlines have to adapt and make some changes to try to regain some business. Yeah, and and what I'll say to that is, um, you know, I I continue to negotiate a lot of the contracts for the air division and and have that interaction. I I would argue that it's a lot harder to do by phone and video than I could have ever ever have imagined. Having a meeting and talking through things is one thing, but there is there is something about being face to face and you know, working through issues. So I, you know, again, I think business will rebound with time, but, but to your point, I do think that some industries are really looking at how that's going to work going forward. And, and that's, you know, in fairness to all the airlines, I think that's what they're, they're looking at too, is the recovery is again, the industry or the, the world, the United States, some of the way we do business is definitively changed. That's my and, point. And, and, Again, it, it costs money to do those things, and sometimes you can do them by video or by phone. It's not the same, but uh, but but I think you're right that some some of those things will be cut out, and so that per X percentage we know I don't know what that looks like, but X percentage won't come back to the to any industry. Whether it, you know this is an interesting piece, and I'll just cross over for a second because I'm still traveling. Is I was on a trip not long ago. <laughs> there were three people in the hotel, not three people working three three rooms filled in the hotel and they had one person working the desk there's no food service or anything like that that was and they they've let go of all their housekeeping they have one person that's running the front desk they're also cleaning the rooms because there's only three people this is months back but in the hotel and so that's one hotel compound that by the whole hospitality side of the industry the restaurants this is something that you know again it's going to take time for everything to recover and uh there's a huge impact and and leadership in the government needs to find a way to get along and and take care of the American citizen. That's what this comes down to. Neither side's right. And I, I said I'm not into the politics. Neither side's right in this. They need to start looking at who the people are that they're affecting by not making decisions. And that's really the message that hopefully anybody that calls, you know, has with any other senators and representatives is get off your duff and get something done here. This is impacting people on, on right. a daily basis. And, and and neither neither side's right. They're both wrong, because they're not they're not feeling it like the people that we represent on a daily basis are, or the people outside the airline industry that have already been impacted. You know, come October, you're right. And this extension can put a bandaid on it, but it's a bandaid that that helps the next step of the economy along the way. And and people are working, people are doing what they need to do. Again, different parts of the airline are are going through different dimensions of that. Do I think the industry is going to look the same in the future? Absolutely not. I have, you know, my own thoughts on that, and and we'll see how that all shakes out. I, I do believe that the industry will go through another cycle, and and what that looks like until some things are sorted out when it comes to the virus. I don't think any of us know what that looks like. And and when I say that, it's people are traveling. You know, you're at the airport, mm -hmm. I'm at the airport. People are traveling, but it's not what it used to be. So it's you know much much smaller numbers of people traveling, obviously a lot of airplanes parked across the industry. And so that's really what's going on. Well, I want to be, uh, and anybody that knows me knows that I've been critical and I can be critical and I'll give credit where credit's due. But one place that I feel like, and I'll, I'll use the industry and no specific airline where they're failing is it doesn't seem to me they're doing enough to instill confidence in the travelers particularly business travelers, they're not doing enough to talk about what they're doing to keep people safe. 
Yeah, and again, I think they're all they're all putting it out there, but a lot of the business, you know, again, other businesses are looking at their budgets and figuring out how not to spend money because they don't have a lot of traffic either. So I'm, I'm, you know, in the background, I'm sure the airlines are doing everything that they can to attract people in, but other other businesses have bosses that say, no, we're going to cut our travel budget by X, and you know, that's why I think we saw the uptick in leisure travel. What 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 we did see, which was a little bit of a boost, was that. When things started turning to the right with the virus across the country, traffic picked back up. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't. It, it, it was coming back, and then mm-hmm. we went right back into a downward spiral because of whatever. You know, I'm not going to get into that. But the long and short of it is, is the industry will come back. It's like anything. It's it's cyclical. It'll come back. People will travel. People want to go on vacation. People want to visit with you know relatives. People want to do business face to face. They have to at certain points along the way. But you know, again. What the industry looks like going forward, do I think airlines are going to go out of business? I don't know. Um, I don't think anybody's going out of business, but I, I, I do see the airlines being smaller for a while. And, and and again, when the airline's smaller, that means less, you know, less members, less employees. I, I, I do see that into the future. And so, you know, people that are senior leaving are stepping up and doing that. And, and you know, and some are making those decisions because it's it's timing, too. Right. You know, staying in, you could hurt yourself longer as well. I mean, I've, I've had that conversation with people that say, well, you know, they've offered me this this package or that package. If, if you are in your, you know, you've made the decision to go, then you should make that decision to go. Don't wait for the next package thinking it's going to be better. It might be worse. We don't know. Right. There may not be a package. We don't know what the future holds. So everything that's in front of them is what it is. I've been asked the question about bankruptcy. Well, if they go to bankruptcy, how's that going to affect my early out package? Well, the early out package has benefits to it that that we don't have anyhow. So quite honestly, you're not worse off than you would be by staying outside of making a decision that you're ready to leave the company. That's really what it comes down to. You either are or you aren't. That's a little extra. Do I, you know, I don't tell people, I don't tell anybody, so to speak, bank on it and make it the absolute holy grail because that would be the wrong way of doing things. What I tell them is if you're ready to go, look at that as an extra benefit that's available. And if it weren't there, would you still go? And if the answer is yes, then you 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 make that decision. If the answer is no, then really think about making that decision. Because once you cut those ties, you know there's there's you're not coming back in the right. door saying, "Well, I made a mistake." There's this is one and done type stuff. Now I know you were talking, you know, that there's potentially some bankruptcies coming, uh, some Chapter Seven and and possibly some Chapter Elevens. What's your thoughts on bank, uh, bankruptcies and more specific? What's your thoughts on more? consolidation or more regulation coming well again i have no <laughs> i have no insight other than what is coming out of my my mouth so there's nothing that has been said to me so this is to your point what, what does it look like um it, it really gets down to you know forward looking what are people doing is there some control over so to speak the virus as far as you know they talk about therapeutics they talk about vaccines they talk about how many people are or aren't going to get vaccines that's that's all outside of our control it gets down to confidence in traveling and i've been involved in conversations where you know it, it, could i get the virus if this happens or that happens everybody's susceptible no matter where you are and you don't necessarily figure out where you got it from until down the road and, and in a lot of cases, you don't even, you know, people don't even know they have it. And so there's this transitional asymptomatic type of situation. There's so many variables right now. 
that play into it. But as far as bankruptcy or uh, 7-Eleven, that type of stuff, uh, what I would say is, is that I, I don't see chapter seven people going out of business anytime soon because there is enough market out there for people to travel and and remember there's been so much consolidation pre-covid that that there's not a lot of majors left where i do see concern is in the regional space because there's still a lot of regional carriers i think three three have gone out of business already looks like one is probably looking like that's going to happen I, I don't i don't see a saving grace out there unfortunately for for express jet and and that's you know, we represent them. So that's a horrible situation, not just for our members. You know, hopefully there's something happens and that doesn't ha that doesn't play out. But, you know, they were tied to United. United doesn't have the passengers, so they're sitting out. They don't have anybody that's looking to pick up more airplanes and flying. In fact, everybody's gone lower. And, and if the industry doesn't turn, I imagine we'll see more of that consolidation Unfortunately, that consolidation isn't through merger. That consolidation is through the, the regionals going out of business. And again, it goes back to because those areas that the regionals predominantly serve, people aren't traveling like they used to, right. to and from. So, you know, Chicago to Dallas or Chicago to New York or, you know, New York, Miami, those flights, there's not as many people traveling, but they're still filling up an airplane. When you start talking about some of the smaller towns and places that people are going, there's just not a lot of traffic. And, and so there's definitely prior to, you know, early this year, everything was on an uphill slope. You know, there was all growth. Mm -hmm. And we faced this with 9-11. Uh, Everybody was on an uphill trend. And then it, you know, the bottom fell out for a short period of time. I think this bottom is is um, a little different than, you know, so to speak, 9-11, because we don't know and we don't have controls yet. Once those controls start coming into place and things start leveling out, then I think domestically we'll see better traffic. But internationally, you know, there's really, it's weak all the way across the international markets, and, 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 you know, for a long, so to speak, it's horizon. Bad. Yeah, it's bad. And, and whether I like this or not, people are afraid, you know, to come here because of the numbers we have. And then obviously we're afraid to go to certain countries or we're not allowed to go to certain countries that are not allowed to come here right now. So this is really beyond our controls. But once some controls get it put into place, then you'll have a better optic or we'll all have a better optic to what the industry looks like. Yeah. But uh... but but the the other side of this is, and you mentioned it is a little bit of regulation. You know, there may be some some different regulation. I mean we just don't know. Now, if you're one of the bigger carriers, you know, then that means something different than a smaller carrier because your network's, you know, larger. If you're just a leisure carrier, you may have a better revenue stream because your costs are less and people are still doing leisure travel. And, you know, if it's a $39 ticket, people are going to go over there. And that's, that's, that's where time will tell what this ultimately shakes out to be. Well, there's a lot of different levels of uh, regulation. And I know you know, the airline industry went deregulation, regulation, whatever. But I follow a little bit, and I look at uh, Secretary Elaine Chow, Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chow. She's not doing much. She's not doing much. And yeah, she well, that's government, in. though, Brian. That's that's where, I, you know, we do struggle is government did do the CARES Act, but that's kind of, it just, that was it. I mean, there, there really isn't a lot of oomph, so to speak, behind figuring this out. The government could be you know, again, I don't want the government in our business and, and not wholly. Yeah. But but the backside is they they need there may maybe we're missing kind of the conversations that are happening. Maybe those things are happening with CEOs and whatnot and maybe. leaders of companies. I don't know. But what I do know is is that that definitely to your point, people need to be more proactive. And again, whether it's 
you know, we we really can only. I think in my mind, we're I'm more worried about the membership as a whole right now, and and pushing. You know, we're pushing every button we can on a legislative front and an argumentative front with CEOs and government officials and doing all those things. But I'm more my my real concern is that the everyday you know so to speak member that comes to work does his or her business and right. goes home how they're impacted because when it's all said and done, unfortunately, that's 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 who. You know, we owe it to. Right. I guess what I'm talking about regulation is it, it seems like everything is left to the airlines themselves. Some are wearing masks. Uh, you know, I mean, they're all saying you need to wear a mask now, but there's been no clear cut direction from the government on how these airlines need to operate. If you go back to 9 11, that's where the cockpit barriers came in. You know, I mean, they came up with, yep. with a clear cut pan, uh, plan on how the airlines could operate almost immediately. And that's not happening now. Yeah. So, well, here's a good example of, of a scary proposition where government has been involved. The FAA has talked to our dispatch groups about, you know, and, and some, unfortunately, carriers have been approved from this for to do dispatch at home. And there are so many problems with that. They have operational control with the pilot. They're the pilot's eyes and ears, you know, so to speak, on the ground right. when something, something comes up. And this is a great example of, you know, to your point, I'm not sure what the hell they're doing. They're approving or... At least I know two carriers that have been approved for quote unquote dispatch at home where they send dispatcher home with a computer and a cell phone and, and they're supposed to rely on their home internet and a cell phone to communicate instead of being in an office with the, the aircraft and, and making sure that the pilot and command has everything that they need. If there's a situation and they lose cell phone, and we've all been there, cell phone service goes down or the internet gets sketchy. What a, This is in real time. And they're, these are dispatchers that are, are on the line with, you know, a flight crew. And you know how things happen. Unfortunately, like they call it Murphy's Law. When something goes wrong, it goes wrong at the wrong time, right? right. So this person is, quote unquote, dispatching from home and they're utilizing the tools that the company's given them. And all of a sudden there's a situation and... There's nobody to talk to. They, the, the cell phone might not be working. That's this is insanity. Yeah, no, the things that they're good. focusing on, and you know, they're they're while the aircraft maintenance group is regulated, the dispatch group is really heavily has uh, oversight, and it seems like they've just thrown the playbook out when it comes to the FA on the oversight. I mean, you know, they don't, how are they going to do oversight on what they would normally do a facility? Are they going to come to your house, knock on the door and, and watch you dispatch at home? Of course not. So they're trusting that all this is going to work. This is a recipe for disaster. And it's, and it doesn't make any sense. And, and again, we're letting the corporation or the company off the hook because of a pandemic to say, well, because we have a pandemic, just the rules are thrown out the window. Well, we got passenger and crew lives at stake. And those dispatchers, they're they're wholly responsible. That dispatcher's responsible. So if it goes bad, guess what? The company, just like they do with the mechanic, it wasn't us. That person chose to work from home. You've made my point. Yeah, and it it gets back to, so again, focus on the right stuff, and this will turn around. Talk to labor, and you'll find out that there's a lot of things that we can can give advice to that make sense, but they're doing things that's typical that don't make sense, and, and there's not a lot of logic in it. Well, I can tell you, uh, you know, when I talked about the numbers here at American at DFW, and it's going to be around the system, American has cut to the bone. They've cut to an operation that they're not going to be able to manage. So there's going to be more people leave than they need to leave. And, you know, it's going to go back to your point earlier. The ones that are here, they need to understand what it takes to get the ones back. 
Right. Because if they, you know, and the airline's going to try to to uh, run on uh, an overtime budget. So, yeah, I mean, well, we, we could talk about this all day. Uh, it's it's frustrating. I mean, we're all frustrated. We all understand what's going on in the country. We understand there's a, a pandemic out there. We understand there's no uh, vaccine right now. So we get that. We don't discount that. We understand. But boy, you look at some of the decisions these airlines are making and it's just baffling. Yeah. Well, and, and, and arguably, again, it goes back to, you know, there's needs to be more conversations. You, you have people in, in uh, positions within companies making decisions based around how they see things and feel and, and not looking at it. You know, they're looking at it, I guess, in my mind, short sighted versus six months, a year out or how that, you know, person that works for the company, how they're impacted, because it doesn't affect necessarily them. And it affects those people. And we we are those people right. at the end of the day. And I, I, I again, my my battle is constant with with the airlines over our membership and and the importance that we serve. But to your point, it goes back to they're going to make their business decisions. I'll say this. The vast majority are being made without laborers' involvement. Maybe, you know, I'm not going to speak for the pilots. Pilots seem to be, and and that's a good thing, and it should be this way for all of us, but for whatever reason, they have a real strong relationship with the pilots at most airlines. Um, They work hand in glove, so to speak. When it comes to, you know, us, mechanics, fleet, flight attendant, it seems almost as if it's it's a side conversation. You know, we went through this with, with recently with JetBlue. JetBlue obviously announced partnership with American. In fairness, we represent folks at JetBlue and we represent obviously at American. No conversation with us, yet they made a deal with the pilots, who are ALPA, to protect them all the way into March of next year for no furloughs. APA didn't know about that. Obviously, they I, I don't know what their reaction is or how they're handling that. Or maybe they did. I don't know. I shouldn't say that because I haven't had a one-on-one conversation. But the bottom line is right. there's things that are going on in the background that they're choosing to have conversations about. And then there are things that are happening in the foreground. To your point at American, you know, we got served with warn notices of X, Y, and Z. Now, that the warn notice doesn't mean they're all going to be laid off right. or furloughed. We believe we have protections. We'll fight about that. But the bottom the bottom line with that is it isn't like there's been this big, vast conversation about, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. So you bring up Dallas and none of those conversations have taken place with us in leadership. It, not that not not that they have to. And maybe it's best that they don't because they probably wouldn't get a reaction like they might have gotten in the past, which was we understand it's it's going to be a fight and we're going to continue to fight like we did about contracts. We're going to fight about that for furloughs and we're going to fight about that, about getting people back to work because that's what that's what our job is as a union is to protect the membership. And again, I'll go back to it's never comfortable when people do get furloughed. But I'll be damned if we let them stand for a low when they shouldn't be. We're going to fight to get these people that are our members back to work. And our members that are working need to understand that, that that's the most important thing when somebody's laid off. Is that somebody else comes back to work and we make sure they get they have the same benefits and, uh, and opportunities that we have that based on our seniority. We shouldn't take seniority forever for granted, but we also shouldn't monopolize on it when somebody else is out of work. And Gary, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. Like I said, we could talk all day about this. Yep. Uh, I really don't have anything else to discuss. I appreciate you joining me. As uh, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, no. I mean, I just I'd like to make a closing comment. It's been a long time since we did a podcast. We might have been a little bit redundant in this one, and and it's a fairly long 
you know, podcast, I think it's important that every one of our members know, no matter where you work or what position you're in, we're doing everything we can as an organization to fight for you. And, you know, I said it earlier, and I'll, I'll say it again. I, I haven't been a big supporter of the FLCAO, but I will say with this this fight over the clean extension of the, the CARES Act that they have stepped up and they've done extensive work to make sure that we are able to get in the doors that we need to get into. And I don't think that would have happened without them. And I'm going to give them credit when credit's due. I'll also criticize people when I don't think they're doing the work. This is one time that the unions under the FLCAO umbrella have done everything they can, and those that aren't are going to gain the benefit, including some of the you know non-union folks over at Delta. What's been done at Delta to their employees who are non-union is horrible, yeah, it's and, horrible. The, and 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 they can't talk about it because they sign a release that says that. But I've had calls from people saying that they wished that they would have been organized and under a labor agreement. And I will tell you that this is this is a isn't a proud moment by any means. To, to, to stand on a, a union position, but I, I am very proud of what we have been able to do across the board with the FLCIO. In, in my time as being a union rep back to the mid-90s, this is the first time that I can say I'm proud of that fact. And I gotta give them credit when credit's due. Um, shouldn't have taken this long in other scenarios, and, and maybe that's some leadership that, that's changed over the years, but I'm, I'm damn proud of what's, what's happening right now, and it's up to our membership now to step up and make the phone calls as a representative of the union. You know, the membership is the strongest part of the union. They are the union. We can get things going, but we need to let them show that there's thousands upon thousands of people. Look, <laughs> October 1st, my numbers, not anybody else's, my numbers, the, the net effect of not having an extension is three to five million people in a short period of time lose their jobs as a, as a byproduct of the airline reductions. That's huge. That's right. that's that's a massive number of, of people. So again, if this doesn't happen, that's that's people that don't have a paycheck coming in anymore. They're on unemployment. Then you know that goes out. I'm still trying to figure out if they're on unemployment or they're coming to work when they do this extension. There's a difference, obviously, in how much people make. But it does it does affect the economy overall, and that's what we're look. You know, I'm looking at it from a different lens. But I will say that you know you know in in closing and I sometimes get long-winded, I do appreciate the membership that they've they've stepped up thus far. They're doing everything they need to do. We put our lives at risk every day, coming to work, doing what we need to do. I don't take that lightly, and I'm proud of everybody that, that works within the organization who's fighting for the membership, and I'm, I'm damn proud of the membership that have made every decision to help other members coming to work giving up a position, taking a leave, doing all the things that are necessary right. and really looking at it from a family perspective. And that's that's really how I, I hope we continue to act. And I agree. I mean, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. What I will say is uh, you've mentioned a couple of times that the members have stood up and, and uh, they've reached out. So what I'll do is I'll reach out to the uh, International Communications and let's get something put back out where the members can contact their representatives uh, let's get that out. We'll put that out with this podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I know we're going through tough times right now, but keep the faith and stay strong. Everybody have a great day. For more information about the TWU Air Division, visit our website at TWU.org forward slash divisions.
comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at airdivisionpodcast at TWU.org. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of our Air Division podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcatcher, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Air Division podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, podcast.twu.org. Music provided under license by Pond5.com. PWU Air Division podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Engel.